This episode of The Jake is brought to you by Miller Lite. Miller invented light beer, the original 96-calorie Pilsner, and that changed everything. This led to fewer guys with beer bellies, which led to more women attracted to those guys, which led to dates, second dates, wedding bells, and honeymoons, which led to hubbada hubbada, boom, which led to you. Miller Lights, we invented light beer, and you, you're welcome. Well, shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Twist and shout, twist and shout. Oh, welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, and welcome everybody to the very special double feature episode. Yes, last week was a very busy week for me. I uh, wasn't able to produ- produce an episode, but guess what? You're in luck. We have episode 28 and 29 tonight. Very fun time ahead. Got a couple interviews lined up. And uh, this will be great. This is my, in the middle of wedding season right now, and I've got none other than one of my best buds of all time, Tom Scotto, getting ready for his wedding this weekend. Good news, tux is in and it fits. That was the big worry this week. I wasn't really fully able to get into the wedding spirit this week. You know, my mom was asking me like, oh, are you excited? Your best friend's getting married? And I'm like, I'm not excited yet because I don't even know if this tux is going to fit. This guy, Armand, was mailing it to me. And every time I asked him, he's like, yeah, I'm mailing it on Tuesday. I'm like, okay, it's it's Wednesday. He's like, no, I'm mailing it next Tuesday. I'm like, you are driving me insane, Armand. Thank you for, for ruining this all. But it's all good. I called up Armand, even thanked him for everything. The tux is in. It's my first time ever wearing a bow tie, so and and suspenders, so I surely won't fuck this up. But uh, I'm I'm now fully getting into the wedding spirit. Right, uh, a couple weeks ago we recapped Chris Heine and Lauren Berry's wedding, which was dynamite, and this is sure to be just as fun. Um, Chris and actually and Lauren actually just got back from their honeymoon yesterday, where they were in New Zealand for like six months or whatever. Went, uh, went to a top of a glacier wearing your very own the Jake t-shirts. So, you know, we're international now, baby. This is this is the big times. And uh and yeah, just got a lot more going on with uh, this wedding cuz I'm a groomsman this time around. Uh it's my first time ever as a groomsman. That's why I've got the tux going on. Got my fancy shoes out, everything's ready to roll. Don't really have that much responsibility other than nailing the entrance. Right, so the person I'm walking in with is K.K. Scotto, Tom's younger sister, and I've known her her my entire life, and we both agree. We're like, listen, the, this is the only real way to win this wedding is our entrance. You know, you've got, everybody's got their, like, tiny five seconds to shine, right, if you're in the party. I don't get a speech. Mike gets a speech. Chris gets a speech. No speech for Jaker. Uh, well, I know everyone wants to hear the Jaker speech, 
but uh, that's why you come on to my podcast and hear me here. So uh, no speech for Jake. So this is why I need to uh, nail the intro, right? And uh, and I don't know what exactly we're going to do. Some type of dance move, maybe do like a thriller action, something like that. But it's got to just like capture the crowd. So I want you to comment on either the podcast or any of my social media posts with what you think I should do. You've got like 24 hours to let me know because Saturday afternoon, this has to be done, decided on and everything. Okay, so let me know there. But this whole episode isn't going to be about the, the wedding. We're focusing, we're going to do a top five on wedding songs. Uh, we have my one minute movie review of Thor Ragnarok, which was awesome. And also going to get, get a little bit more into wedding advice, how to plan, how to play, stuff like that. But first, we have an interview with my very special guest and loyal listener, Tom Scotto, who is getting married this weekend. Okay, and we're back with my man, soon to be not single anymore, Tommy Scotto, getting married Saturday. Tommy, how's it going, man? Jake, what's happening? Oh, I'm I'm excited. Just finished up another interview, but uh, had to make some time for my boy. Uh, we getting nervous? We excited? No, I'm really excited. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's to be nervous about. You know, I've had plenty, plenty of time to think about this. That's what I was saying. Like, I was just thinking about this. I'm like, but you already live together. You have a dog together. You guys go on vacations and holidays and stuff. I'm like, you're ready. Like, this isn't like the 1950s when, like, you know someone for five minutes and you get married. You've known Meg for like 10 years now. Yeah, those people were crazy. I mean, I don't know how they did it. I can't imagine at least testing the waters of living with someone before you make that huge lifetime decision. It's nuts, right? I mean, my parents were 22 when they got married. I'm 28 right now. And I'm like, Jesus, I can't I can't even think about that. Yeah, but you just have so many options, Jake. You know? I know. I mean, I, I go to, I mean, you're going to see me ripping up the dance floor. You're going to play... Stacy's mom and I'm just gonna eye the entire crowd and it's it's game over at that point. Jake, that tusk day needs to be ripped. I know. I think I think there's enough give in the pants for me to do like one ass to the flow and and that's basically all I can do. I can't do it like a second time because once it gets sweating too, that's the main problem for me. Oh, sweating! I mean, come on, that's happening immediately. I know, but I mean, like once the pants get all sweaty too, like that's when rippage is it becomes an, an issue and a. And like protecting the rip becomes a priority. Well, yeah. yeah, but just let it, let it go, Jake. You know, you lose. I that's usually what ends up being my problem. I get onto the dance floor, I let it loose, and it's like, yeah, well, I mean, I provide the entertainment for anybody. I, I don't know what everyone would do without me because you know, like I, I'm just I bring the entertainment, right? And I'm gonna be bringing it too. Wow, that's a lot, Jake. Bold statement. I don't know what people would do without me. No, oh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I say it, I humbly, but I mean it. Okay. So Jake, what's gonna be, what's gonna be the drink that gets you loose? So, funny. so that's why I wanted to do a couple little predictions. Now, last uh, at at Chris and Lauren's wedding, I, I did a little preview, right? I want every time I went up to the bar, I wanted to get whatever who I was with was drinking. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with Tom. We're getting these like skinny marks that he's doing. Didn't like that. I didn't like your skinny marks, Tom. I understand why you like it. It's not for me. So I'm moving on from that. Uh, I, I think I'm going with the Jack and Ginger. It's a, it's tasty. I like it. It's it's simple. 
but I'm still keeping my mind open. What do you think? I, I do a I do a Jack not Jack and ginger. I'll do uh, whiskey ginger mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at weddings sometimes. That's a little switch up for me, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty simple, mostly vodka soda. Yeah, yeah. I think I need to do a little bit more testing, experimentation going in. But I like the idea of dealer's choice too. I mean, we did that at Chris's wedding, and I don't exactly know what it was called. Maybe you can help me out. It was some type of like, kind of like te- he called it tequila's ugly cousin. What were we drinking? Something with like an M, like mes- mescal, mezcal, mezcal or something. Or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was super smoky and oaky. Yeah, he spent way too much time making me a drink when I was like, dude, I I already tipped you. I'm not tipping you again. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put him out. I just wanted him to be like, you know, just dealer's choice. I love that idea. And uh, I really put him out there, and I felt kind of bad, especially since I was not enjoying the drink at all. Oh, yeah, that ended up in my hand. Mm-hmm. I just put it down on a table somewhere. Yeah, I, I traded with you. You're like, you, you don't look like you're enjoying that. And, and then I traded with you, and you didn't end up drinking it either. <laughs> yeah. So I so want, want your prediction, okay? Um, first of all, I want a prediction on who you think the drunkest is going to be there. All right? Do you have anyone in mind? I have a couple in mind. I think KK could have a strong show. KK, all right. So she's new to the 21 Club. She does have some responsibility as a, as a bridesmaid. Um, no, she doesn't. No. <laughs> I, was, I was actually just saying that before. I was saying, as a groomsman, I got a lot of responsibilities. And I was like, I think my responsibility is to not look like an ass. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just got to follow the person in front of you in the church. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Come out. My guess was, and, and and I don't know how to think about this because maybe because his parents will be there, but I was going with D Rock. I think D Rock's a wild card for drunkest. Oh, maybe I don't. It's going to be a marathon though because it's the it's a long know, day. It's extended cocktail because mm-hmm. there's the wedding. Mm-hmm. Then there's that down period for a lot of people. I mean, we're going to go take pictures. It's the wedding party. Yeah. And then you got the extended cocktail hour. Then there's the reception. Yeah. Then there's an after party after the reception at the golf club, and then there's a trolley taking us to the tap house. So yeah. we'll see where people just start getting hacked down. Uh, I, know, I do like how I don't have to leave Warren Avenue on Saturday. I mean, I, we're just like skating back and forth. I, I love that. I'm like, yeah, everyone asks me, they're like, ooh, what's the location? I'm like, this location could not get any better for me in my entire life. Like, it, it is literally down the street and is staying down the street, just going different directions. Yeah, I like we we couldn't have lucked out any better, at least in you know in my in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I, I, we won by getting the wedding here. That was good for us. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what and, and people that see St. Catharines, the, the picture opportunity is too much to pass up on. Like, I think that captures like every bride to be is like you you look at all, everyone's pictures outside there, and you're like, that's kind of all I want. And if the church can fit the people going, it's like sold. So. Oh yeah, St. Catharines. I think you have to now. I think that's like the going rate is like if you have an idea, you're like, all right, book the church. She'll appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in from out of town yet? I mean, I think we've got a lot of people still to come. Uh, looking yeah. forward to seeing some peeps. Yeah, well, yeah, you got that uh, good Catholic crowd. Some guys have some other thing good going on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think most of the people are coming in on Friday, so we'll, we'll go out tomorrow night after the rehearsal dinner. And uh, I think she had a pretty good team. Yeah, this will be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I love seeing some of these people. Uh, we got a really good crew in the groomsmen party. Um, I want your prediction 
for who you think. So so for the people listening, we got co-best man Chris Heine and Mike Scotto, and then groomsman John Scotto, yours truly, Jake Brainy, Derek Craig, and the Gormley brothers, Ryan and Mike. So let's give out some preemptive superlatives, all right? So Or Ryan and Matt, I'm sorry. I don't want to step on Matt Gormley's toes. I know he's listening. Um, <laughs> let's give out some superlatives. Who's going to be the MVP of the groomsmen, Tom? Derek. Yeah, Derek's gonna come through, I think. Oh, come on, man. How am I not MVP? Like, I own I weddings. Have other Oh, well, I mean, I was like, I was laying it up for you. I mean, like this, I own weddings. I go in, I say hello to everybody. I'm, I'm owning the dance floor. I, I, I don't get drunk because I can handle my liquor. Like I'm an easy pick for MVP. I'm like, I'm like LeBron, Mike Trout. Like I gotta be the favorite. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's you know that that ship has sailed. Like this is grown up Jaker. Like oh, this is grown up Jaker now, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is ready to roll. This is like you know eyes on the prize, talking to bridesmaids, Jaker. Right. So like this is Jaker, Jaker, Jaker. No, no, no. This it should be a lot of fun. MVP Derek. All right. I mean he's he's got big shoes to fill, but I like that. Okay. Oh, come on, Goofy Derek, out there dancing, ripping up the dance floor. And- yeah, he's probably gonna do a great he's job. He's gonna do something like silly too. Who doesn't? Who, that story. Oh, who doesn't love Derek Craig too? That guy, that guy is, he's just like I just want to give him a big hug every time I see him. I'm like, oh, this, this guy. Oh. All right, okay, we got speech time coming in. You've got four speeches. You got two two maid of honors, two best man speeches. Give me who who are you expecting the most out of in speech town? Well, I'm kind of hoping that the bridesmaids just do a group speech because they're always tough to get through. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I got high hopes for for Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks he's like the, the best speaker of all time. You know, he he'll use, he is he's like Trump out there. He's like, I have huge speeches. He is not shy about setting a high bar. Like that is the one thing I've noticed about Mike. I'm like, he's look, man. He, he, I yeah, right. He's done one before. He obviously thinks highly of himself. I've heard good things about this speech, but I wasn't there, so I don't know. This was Corey's wedding, correct? Yeah, it was good. He told like a story uh, how they used to, like do wrestle in the pool or something like that. It was funny. Okay, all right. So I'll I'll give it to him. Uh, I I need to see it for myself though. This is this is bigger. I mean, there's one thing for giving like your friend's uh, best man speech, but there's another one. It's your younger brother. So this is. I'm really curious. This has got to be big, and I and and Chris Heine will act like this isn't shaking him, but. He is he's bringing the heat. I know he's been working on it. So so I'm I'm ready to see a nice little battle out there. That's good. Friend, I, I friendly they're, battle. They're gonna line it up. Yeah, I'm gonna let them figure it out. I don't. See, I think that's the way to do it. Is you let the people figure it out. Yeah, Tom, you're yeah, always about the people to too. Speech when I was speaking, or when somebody else was speaking, where I was speaking. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of know that background. I get that, and you're part of the you. You're a man of the people, Tom. You just want to give the fans what they want. So, so I appreciate that. You have you have often just you're for the people. I get that. Oh yeah, I like to entertain. I think I think one of the things that people are most looking forward to about the whole wedding though is pizza Sunday. We got brunch coming in. We're going right to the the pizza oven, and we're going to be cooking up some hot pepper pies. Some Briar Hill pies. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I think uh, it's a select invitees only. But uh, I mean, I'm top of the list of that one too, so I have nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh yeah, Jaker. Yeah, select select invite. I mean, 
we're putting on the podcast, though, Jake. Everyone's going to know about it. I mean, this stuff's going viral now. Yeah, I know, but I mean, yeah, but everybody knows about. uh, I'm coming to iTunes real soon. Like, like we are, we're working on iTunes. Michael K will be on for Thor Ragnarok after this and uh, we will talk about the movie together and uh, he has some interesting takes uh, I gotta call him up though so uh, we'll see no 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 this is this is a big episode we do Stranger Things talk with uh, Kyle McKenna that's coming up later on the episode uh, are you a Stranger Things fan Tom? oh I love it yeah I'm halfway through the season it's awesome so, so uh, when you watch this episode be sure to skip to the end so you don't get anything ruined because Kyle McKenna and I talk at the end of the episode about it. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Once anyone starts talking about it or I see something on Twitter, I don't click on it. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I feel like you'd be pretty good at avoiding that type of stuff. You have zero interest in anything like ruining it for you. So, so, all right, we got, we got big talk. I, I want, I want a little insight. Do we have a song for the first dance yet? Do we have a song for, uh, dancing with mom, or can you not reveal that information? I want I want to break some news on the Jake. Um, yeah, I should know this. Uh, this was picked like months ago. So the first dance song is "Smile" by Uncle Cracker. Okay, that's a that's a good one. That, that every mom, everybody likes that one. My mom and me are dancing to Van Morrison's song. <sighs> anyway, something like that. Nice. Then, you guys yeah, love Van Morrison, so that's a good way to go. Yeah, Van Morrison's well, a good one. Wait, so Jake, you'll like this. So this is good insider information. So Excellent. originally, my mom wanted to do Rascal Flatts, My Wish, which is a super like high pitched. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they use that for so all the sick Pat kids Roddy. on ESPN. So yeah. So I told Pat Roddy the song, right? And he kind of looks at us for one second. He goes, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen." Yeah, he just can't hit that. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, "I could try, but." not going to be what you want. Yeah, and I think that's something where you just got to take the musician's like word for it and be like, if he says he can't do it, he can't do it. Oh, yeah, I was fine with it. <laughs> and I and I have to I have to thank you again too because both of my song like choices, two favorite songs of all time are on Pat Roddy's list. We've got Stacy's Mom and Trapped to be played and I'm I'm so forever grateful that my two favorite songs of all time are going to be played at this wedding. We've confirmed Stacey's mom. That's definitely on there. I mean, it was on the list that he approved, and he's played it before in bars, so I don't see... I mean, unless there's any last-second changes or some type of oh, interference. Because I, I, I pushed Trap, for sure. And you know what he said about that, right? He goes, oh, yeah, Trap. Trap. Wedding. wedding song. Yeah, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you know what? Like, hey, if everyone has a good sense of humor and likes Bruce Springsteen, like, shouldn't be a problem. Well, I listened to the song probably... 50 times I never really thought that's what it meant until he said that yeah I mean it's it's not something in the Bruce songs you kind of just like follow along and then when you actually think about your meaning you're like huh interesting okay (laughs) (laughs) I am trapped (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's this is gonna be a great great wedding weekend I'm really looking forward to everything and uh, I feel bad for all my listeners who aren't going to be able to go because I know this is going to be a top-notch wedding uh, Jake, I can't, I can't wait, man. Awesome. All right. Hey, listen, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Let me finish up my podcast tonight and, uh, we'll be talking, we'll be writing, we'll be drinking beers. Great, Jake. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Best of luck this weekend. All right. <laughs> okay, 
And that was my exclusive interview with the soon-to-be husband, Tom Scotto. Sounds perfectly fine. Not normal at all. Not surprised. This is this is Tom we're talking about. Nothing ever phases him. So this is going to be a great weekend. Really looking forward to the whole wedding as as a whole. And like I said before, I was nervous before because the whole tux thing. Now that that's behind me and that it fits and everything's fine, I'm I'm all I'm all in. Took off Friday, so I'm ready to roll. Got to work on my entrance dance with KK, but that should be fine too. Uh, this is going to be a really fun weekend. So let's dive right in to my top five, right? My top five, and it's kind of where I left it off with Tom in the interview. My top five wedding songs to be played. Now, I want to be clear here. This, These are songs that you want at every wedding. That when you make the playlist, these five have to be on it, all right? So it doesn't need to be a slow song, right? Like you can have some type of like, you know, really intimate uh, dance song that you have, but I'm not, I'm not looking for those. I'm not looking for, you know, Can't Help Falling in Love by, by Elvis or The Way You Look Tonight, something like that. Those are, those are the private ones that I totally get. They have a place, but I'm talking about the dance floor songs, right? I'm talking about the ones that get people going and put people on their feet and not on their asses, right? So number five, let's start with number five is Footloose. I mean, this song, it just, I mean, if we, movie aside, which, you know, everyone knows the premise of Footloose, the movie, but the song is all about just getting off your ass and onto the dance floor. It's the perfect song of being like, it doesn't really matter how you dance, it matters that you dance, you know, just get out there. So I think Footloose is a must play at all weddings. If you've got a band they, they that can play it, that's even better. But if the, if you got like the DJ interlude, that's also a good thing too. I got Footloose on all my, my wedding lists, okay? Number four. All right, this one was a little up for debate, right? Could have gone a different way here. Uh, but Love Shack by the B-52s. Man, that's... I have some I have some great memories of dancing at weddings with um, one of my good friends, Bill Mead, his, uh, his late mother, uh, Kathy Mead. She danced at Owen Stewart's wedding to... The B-52's Love Shack, and we have some great pictures of that dance battle to that. It was a really great time. And I think that's just a nostalgic one. You know, that's one where you hear it, and you, you know, it makes you think of that moment. And, and I kind of, I, I like that. And, and I think everyone has that type of song. Uh, maybe it's not this song for you, but when I hear this song, I think of that wedding. A great the Stewart wedding was a great one. I read in that one. It was a very big part of it. They have me to thank for their whole marriage. Uh, so it was really, it, like, it's just one of those things that makes you think of a great moment and one of those, like, you have a picture in your mind and it'll never leave. And, and that's that's why that's in my top five. That was never up for debate. And, you know, this is, again, these are five songs. It, it's not an order or anything. Everything has a special meaning, all right? So number three here is Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Another just great tune that everybody loves to be on the floor. Uh, my favorite thing is about this song is that it's just, it's slightly disputed, but I'll give you a little history about it. After 13 hours recording, John Lennon was so done with that day that he was basically checked out and they said, give us one take of Twist and Shout, which is originally not a Beatles song, but they're like, John was like, okay, listen, 
I'll give you one take, all right? After like 13 hours of recording, we're like, all right, we'll do one take of Twist and Shout. And that's the take that you hear today. You know, you can tell in hearing John Lennon's voice just how strained he is and how much he had been working that day singing all day long. You can hear what a guy's voice sounds like for after singing for 13 hours. Because, the, and this is where the disputed part comes in, the second take of that song, he couldn't even say a word. He had literally nothing to give. He tried saying lines and like nothing would come out. And they're like, well, I guess the one take was going to have to do because it's been a Beatles classic and it's a wedding classic. You hear it and it's just, it's something about his voice that gets you on the floor and it means like, I don't care. I am out here. I don't care what people think. I'm out here to just twist and shout. Even the worst dancers in the world, looking at you, dad, can dance to this song because it's just, you know, snap your fingers, move your hips a little bit twist and shout that's all it is it's sim it's the most simple basics of enjoying yourself at a wedding is twist and shout brings us to number two this is where things get tricky right? we're, we're leaving out a lot of songs here okay i could go be going with shake it off right taylor swift classic that we turn into jake it off but i think that's a little you know self self promoting there with the the whole Jake it off uh intro so uh September is another one uh yeah everyone likes that one you you always have that little run of 70 songs too in your wedding that that usually kicks it off and gets real people really going you gotta appreciate a wedding where it goes up and down and hits different genres whether it's like the hair metal run you always get the Bon Jovi you know you always get living on a prayer all songs you want to hear at your wedding. Um, I'm talking about though. This is this, this is a little off the wall. I'm gonna go "Wannabe" by the Spice Girls. Off the wall for sure, right? But it defined the '90s era. This and it is a great song to get up on your feet and dance to, like all the other songs on here. And it just it really curves the whole playlist out right you've got the 70s and the beatles songs and from the 60s everyone's got those 80s rock songs and you've got the songs of today but how do you connect it you need that 90s song and wannabe is timeless i mean who would have thought that the spice girls would put together this timeless song that could be played at really any time and right right with it i could have said and i even had it on my list i had written down everybody by backstreet boys backstreet's back uh that could have easily been on this list it was written down on my list but i just last second changed to wannabe because it's it's as popular but everybody dances to it as not as you know not everybody dances to backstreet's back which is great and has its moments and has its spots and i think it needs to be played in those 90s to the 2k songs of the wedding but i'm gonna go wannabe on this one and that's and yeah, I'm not even going to negotiate. That's in the top five. And for the last spot, definitely could have gone with Trapped. I know that's a favorite of mine, but it's not for everybody, and it's certainly not everybody's wedding song. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked that Meg and Tom are allowing it to be played, but kudos to them. What troopers. <laughs> I'm not going with Trapped. Not going with any Bruce song in general, because... I, I feel like there's such a bias there that it, it would be too much for me to pick a Bruce song. No, number one is Shout. We all know it. Everybody loves Shout. You got it from Animal House. Otis, my man, is playing it. 
and you got you know, everyone's falling to the ground, getting back up. If you're not actually doing the little bit softer now and a little bit louder now, you're you're either lame or like you physically can't. Like assuming you physically can, I'm not gonna like you know bring down the grandmas and the grandpas and anyone with any health things. Uh, I'm just saying if you can shout and a little bit softer now, you better be doing it because it's lame if you're not. And it is just it's it is the peak of every wedding. It's the peak of every wedding is it builds up to shout. And then after shout, it dies down. It like it's a huge drop off. It's like, all right, I just put all my effort into shout. So it's on the floor. Everything is out there. And I gotta hand it to Chris and Lauren at their wedding. Shout was played early. And that's not a song you usually play early. When they played that, I was like, guys. You are going to the big guns early. Like, you're swinging for the fences in the first inning. Chris was like, oh, Jaker, trust me, we are good. And they were. And the band was great, and they covered so many different songs. They covered so many different genres that I was like, okay, all right, I'll give it to you. But Shout is usually not a song you go to that early because it's one of those where everybody's already on the floor. It's like you, you it's got to be done right, and it's got to be the like the peak song. So that's it. That's my top five wedding songs. A lot up to debate, obviously. But I don't think there's any debate that those five need to be at weddings. Uh, give me what you think songs need to be played at weddings. Which songs do you need to hear? Which song does it for you when you are at a wedding? What do you need to hear to be like, oh, hell yeah, this is it. Like, hey, for me, Cotton Eye Joe is a horrible song, but it will get me on the dance floor every time. I am a sucker for that country line dancing, and I will get out there and dance. I don't care how I look. I don't care. I mean, whatever. It's just, it is what it is. So tell me, what am I missing? What songs do you need to hear? What is the one song? That will get you on the dance floor. That no matter what, when those girls trying to pull you onto the floor, saying "Come on, come on, come on," you're like, "No, no, I don't like this song." And then you hear the first line, and you're like, "Shit, that's me. I gotta go now." That's. I want to hear what are your songs, okay? All right. So top five wedding songs. Those are some good ones. And uh, ooh, time for a one minute movie review. All right. This week we doubled up. Uh, you know, we doubled up last time when we saw Blade Runner, doubled up the time before when we saw The Kingsman. This time, covering the Thor series, right? So, the original Thor, we're watching that on Friday night before seeing uh, the new Thor, Ragnarok, on Saturday. And the original Thor, I like it. It was a good origin, origin tale a little bit, but like... They changed Thor so much. You look at him, it's like, A, his hairline, his hairstyle, his hair color all changes from the first movie. So, like, physical appearance, they change a lot. They make him this arrogant, like, SOB in the first one. But they lay down the track for some really good ones going forward. Uh, the Lost World, you got to see Thor, the character, build up a little bit. Is it the Lost World, the Dark World, Dark Side, Dark... I think it's Dark World. You get to see the character build up a little bit. But again, it kind of, you know, that that plot was a little out there. And it wasn't one of my favorite Marvel movies. This one, though, this new one, Ragnarok, was great. First of all, they brought in a bunch of new characters, right? Jeff Goldblum, 
was is apparently the collector's brother or cousin or whatever, and he played this like great <laughs> champion. He played this like mayor of Schittsburg or whatever, and lived in this high castle with all this like all the fancy stuff on this planet that was filled with garbage, and uh, was basically running the show of gladiators but in these futuristic outer spacian ways and jeff goldblum in his most eccentric way possible nailed the role absolutely like they they definitely wrote it knowing jeff goldblum was going to be the character like i can't think of anyone else that would have been able to deliver this character like jeff goldblum did it was awesome i'm really a big fan of of what he was able to do with that secondly the director this was his like he had done like a couple movies before he had done like episodes of flight of the concords but he had never done a marvel movie and they just handed it over to him uh i for, I, for, I don't even know how to pronounce his name it's like tahiki tatiti uh but whatever his name is he nailed it right and he actually had a role in this movie he did a great job of making it funny it, like this was the funniest uh marvel movie to date I, i'm not even like totally serious when i'm saying that like it, it couldn't have got his name is taika waititi sorry taika waititi he made this movie funny he introduced funny characters and he made the current ones like he gave hulk more lines he gave hulk the like ability to speak in this and hulk said some funny things and had great banter with thor Thor they made funny in that he would get frustrated and explain things and, and like uh, they made it kind of like childish humor at times but then they also made it like actual adult humor too because they kept on saying like they, they called this hole in the space like de the devil's anus and they weren't afraid to keep going back to that they were like oh yeah we're coming to the anus now and it's like they were not afraid to use that at all these are Disney movies remember these are like this is all produced by Disney so the fact that they were able to go to those i was like kudos props to you guys for like not shying away from this and then taika waititi he voiced this new character who's like a rock monster and him and his new zealand accent played korg and oh my god it was fucking hilarious like they like every line he said he was like this dumb rock monster but when you say these dumb things in the new zealand or south african accent i'm like damn that's good that'll get me every time like that's a that's a cheap way to win over jake's heart right there and then they also got a new love interest because apparently natalie portman has no interest in doing these movies which i get it if she wants to go get nominated for jackie and stuff like that yeah, maybe that's the way to go but uh tessa thompson played valkyrie and she was very pretty in that and i was uh i was okay with that they made Kate blanchett you know, Kate Blanchett's not a Marvel character. You know, she she's like a you know, Academy Award winning actress, right? But she signed on to do one movie, and spoiler alert, right? For I mean, you know, this is a heads up. She dies in the end, but they don't have it typical of any like, you know, Marvel movie where you're like, oh, the good guy beats the bad guy. No, the bad guy actually won. She took over. And Ragnarok won, and they killed off Asgard. Asgard is no more. It's oh, the planet is destroyed. She just died in the destruction of it because Thor brought upon another bad guy 
to take on Hela, the goddess of death. So Hela got her way, but she died doing it. And Ragnarok happened, and there are other bad guys. And it was like, shit, wow. Like, the, we're, we're left without a planet. It, it was really, like, something else that they went this direction. Thor Ragnarok took risks. And I applaud them for doing it because it really worked out. It was funny. It was emotional. Uh, it was the best Thor movie by far. I think, and I've given this a lot of thought. I know I jumped to conclusions a lot. I've given this one a lot of thought. This is the best this is the best Marvel movie to date. I was thinking about it a lot. I love all the Captain America movies. Civil War was my previous favorite. I loved original Guardians. I'm going to say Thor Ragnarok is my favorite. I'm always a Hulk fan, so that helps. I really like Thor. They weren't afraid to cut off his hair. They weren't afraid to destroy his hammer. They weren't afraid to take away one of his eyes. They weren't afraid to blow up his planet. They introduced new characters. They cut off old characters. They created emotional problems. Bruce Banner now is afraid to become the Hulk because he never knows when he might not come back to being Bruce Banner. He was apparently the Hulk for two years in this movie and then came back to Bruce Banner. It was like, Bruce Banner was two years older by the time he had returned to his body. Really, really something else. They definitely tested the limits, and I think that really worked out for them. And I'm like proud of them for doing that. They did not need to go this whole route, and it worked out big time. So yeah, my Thor Ragnarok review, one-minute movie review. It's great. You got to see it. I'm definitely going to see it again. Um, I'm sure there's things I missed in the movie. They played up uh, a little bit of the uh, upcoming Infinity Wars trailer because you see Thanos' ship at the end. And yeah, that's uh, that's like the, where they're going with this one. And it's like, yeah, that's one of the next ones coming out. They got Black Panther in February and they got Infinity Wars in, in May, May, June. Okay, so got a couple more things to go. Stranger Things Season 2. Just finished it up. Have some interesting thoughts. Want to talk to Kyle McKenna about podcast extraordinaire, Stranger Things super fan. But overall, uh, a great guy, good friend of mine from high school. Has a lot to say about Stranger Things. Before we jump into the interview with him, I just want to say I'm a big fan of the show. I loved Season 1. I really liked Season 2. Uh, going into the interview with him, I thought, you know what, that the, there was like nothing he could say could turn me off. He was very critical of it, and he made some really good points. But uh, to me, it was it's hard to just beat up that 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 show. It's so good, it's so fun, and I don't like being critical of things. If you know me, you know that I like to watch things. I like to enjoy them. I'm not going to point out. I'm not going to be nitpicky. I want to watch things to enjoy them, right? So why would I just watch just to be nitpicky? You know, why why would I be negative on, on it? But he made some really good points about Stranger Things 2, kind of lacking the direction, kind of like what were they doing? What were they thinking? Where were they going? So yeah, he does make some good points. So listen up to my interview with... Kyle McKenna, where we talk Stranger Things Season 2. All right, and welcome back to The Jake. This week, 
We have a very special guest on the Jake episodes 28 and 29, the double episode. My good friend, hockey connoisseur, and Stranger Things addict, Kyle McKenna. What's going on, Mickey? Jake, it's it's good to be back on the show, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, having me on the show again. Yeah, man. I mean, you were one of my first guests back on, I believe it was episode three, and we talked a lot of... We talked a little bit NBA Finals, but we really were getting into uh, Smashville as the Predators were taking the West by storm and uh, almost almost finished it off. Uh, came up a little short against the Penguins. I was pulling for them, but that was a really fun time. The, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs are always great, but that was that was special. Uh, you know, it's just going to go out there and you got to do. I'm just kidding. Um, yes, of course, Jake. Um, yeah. Are you? I'm you, really talking hockey with you, but yeah, I'd rather talk Stranger Things too. That's Stranger absolutely too. that's absolutely why you're on the phone today. Uh, we have a whole <laughs> we have a whole winter to talk about hockey, right? So like you know we'll we'll get to. Uh, Ooh, was that a Game of Thrones reference? <laughs> oh, oh no! Come on, I don't want to tease my fans. I mean, everyone wants Game <laughs> of Thrones back sooner than later, but but no, we'll go we'll go right into it. So. I watched season two in about five days. I uh, okay. couldn't couldn't stop watching it. The only reason it took me that long was because I was waiting for my family to catch up and we could watch the finale together. So, sure. so all right, this is goes for everybody that's listening. You can fast forward uh, later to after the episode uh, if you don't want to listen to Stranger Things talk. I totally understand. Just make sure you tune in afterwards after you finish watching so you can listen to our talk. So. Going back to the end of season one, we saw Will in front of the mirror. We knew they were going to lead right in with something that had to go with whatever he vomited into the sink. Uh, how quickly did you were you on the whole like D'Artagnan came out of him thing? Well, first and foremost, Jake, I think uh, it was interesting how you said you watched the episodes in about five days, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think... Season two premiered on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that was probably October twenty seventh. Yeah. Um, my thing, my first reaction with Stranger Things two was I wanted to watch it and finish it in a time frame where I finished it on Halloween. Oh, very sense? nice. Yeah, I mean that was going to be that's quick, that's rapid there. No. I mean, most people I talk to, they finished it in like a day or two. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, how do you have the time to do that? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's something, right? That's like college life right there. Yeah, like that's a little, that's, as the young folks say today, binge watching. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, um, I spread it out where I watched like two or three episodes per night, and I made sure I watched the season finale on Halloween. So I finished the season on Halloween. That's great. That, I mean, that's the way to do it. I mean, I know Halloween took place on, like, second or third episode. That was, and what what a great, they really kicked it off right, too. I think the um, the way they kind of fast-forwarded a year, because you when you have these shows which star little kids, you got to kind of go with the time frame of their lives, because they outgrow you faster than... Oh, yeah. Harry Potter's a big one. The one that always comes to mind with me is Lost, right? In Lost... You love Lost. Oh, oh my God. I've always been a Lost guy. In high school and college, Lost was my jam. And the thing that stuck about about Lost was 
they straight up had to write off Walter because he was just going to outgrow <laughs> everyone. It was, I mean, the first three seasons. Exactly. Dude, I mean, look, think about it. Three seasons, right? And they all take place in 62 days. Well, it's like, uh, that's not going to happen for a kid who's uh, 12 years old and is becoming 15. You're going to be like, how did he become a 15-year-old in 62 days on this island? So that always got me, and, and that had me kicked off because I was like, all right, are they going to – fast-forwarding a year was a great call for them. And it, it, it made it great because they showed that he hasn't escaped this. He still goes to the doctor all the time. He leaves school. He gets bullied still at school. And they did this whole, like, one-year anniversary of it. I was like, this is how it was supposed to be done. I think they tied up all loose ends on the kid aging front really well. Um, so it sounds like you're a big fan of Stranger Things too. Yes, I am a fan. On, on my part, and I know uh, I have to give a shout out to one of my co-workers. Uh, her and I were just discussing after we both watched the season. And I found myself, you know, just talking to her about this, whatever. Is that the other thing? I'm like, wow, like, I'm a big critic of Stranger Things too. Ooh, okay. And, and my, after like, I, I kind of thought about it, I'm like, I think I'm a big critic because season one was that good mm-hmm. where the sequel is just not going to live up to expectations. It's just going to be kind of, kind of corny, like a typical 80s sequel would. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So this is where we're going to differ. Yes. But I'm okay so, with that. I want to bring I'm it not, in. I'm not, but I want to correct myself. And when I actually kind of thought about it a little more, I'm like, all right, look, it was good, but I have my reasons as to why I'm a critic. Okay. And I'm open to sharing that if you're open to listening. I'm totally open to listening. Opposition is kind of what I'm looking for because everybody okay. I've been talking to has had the same opinion as I. So yeah, I'm, very, I'm very critical. Okay, no, let's go. And I and hey, where you drop it off, I'm going to try and pick it up. But but yeah, get, lay it to me straight. Where was okay. Stranger Things to wrong or criticized? G- give it to First me. First and foremost, I don't think they should have gone past one season. Mm. Um, okay. I think this is the type of show that should have just ended. I think it's the type of show that if you left us with wanting more and just ending it right then and there, we'd appreciate it more. But that's not the case. There's going to be four seasons. Yeah. It's, you know what, with these Netflix shows and people absolutely love it, you well, can't... You, when I think of Stranger Things, sorry to interrupt you, Jake, yeah, no. I don't think of Stranger Things as a Netflix show. It's almost mm-hmm. like its own entity. Yeah. Like, it brought... It, that was, it was unique. It was something we hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. And for, you know, for us, we grew up in the 90s and all that, but... It was like something from the 80s was brought back to life, but it was executed perfectly and mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Yeah, I'm okay with saying that it should have just been one season. Um, I understand where you're at with that. I know it's so hard to replicate something that was done so well. And really, I don't know if it was made with the intent that it was going to be four seasons. Do you know if that was the case? If it was No, I agree. No. I, I think they, they did this and it just so happened yeah. that people loved it and it was like, okay, we, we have to roll with this. And look, I mean, I'm going to reference Lost for the second time in this podcast, but Lost was only supposed to be three seasons. And then when they spanned it out to six, they kind of lost their direction. 
you know, pun intended. Um, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, and you can tell in season four, they were going backwards. They're doing everything differently. And you're just thinking like, boy, they, uh, it kind of looked like they outkicked their coverage on this one because a lot of fans that want to rewatch lost end it with season three. You know, the, the final episode of season three, that's kind of where they end it. And it's like, maybe it should have ended there. But the fans want more, and it's the, you know, you're in the entertainment business, entertain. So I, I I understand where you're coming from that it maybe should have ended after season one. But again, I loved season two so much that I don't fault them for it. Okay, I almost feel rude. <laughs> I feel like I should ask you why you love season two so much, other than that point. You know what? I but just I also yeah, go ahead. Bring up my point, but no, no, no. It's it's the GH show, so. Continue. Why did you love season two so much? So, all right. So then I can counter. Yeah, that's fine. So, going into it, obviously, like I'm a big trailer guy. So you put a good trailer of any type of movie I avoid show. Trailers. Oh, you, you're a trailer. I avoid trailers. I hate trailers. Oh, I need. Oh, it, I love trailers because a good a good trailer doesn't ruin anything. It just preps you. I'm also I don't <laughs> I don't think I don't think ahead. Uh, in a movie, I don't think ahead. I don't. I don't remember things that I'm like, ooh, I need to remember this for the end of the movie and try to figure out the end of movies. I watch movies with people sometimes where they're like trying to figure it out. I just let it come and 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 happen. You know, I let it just like wash over me and just whatever happens happens. And that's why, like, you know, I watch movies like Scream and like all those like you know. Oh yeah, I mean everyone loves Scream. Uh, that's why it always like gets me at the end. You're like. Yeah, well, this is a good point. But, like, that's why it always gets me in the end is, like, you know, something where it's like, dude, do you really not see that coming? I was like, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just trying to enjoy the movie. So in that regards, I'm never trying to think ahead. Um, I love the characters. I think the characters are great, and I, I think they uh, – aside from I can be a little – I'll be critical of Nance this season. I think uh, I think she was kind of just, like – not important at all. Like, like she didn't provide anything for me. Um, and, and, but I, I loved where they picked it up with Steve. I thought Steve was great this year. And I just, I like, I like having a show to root for. And these kids are something to root for. I think in some ways I see where you're going. To, I know where you're going to go with some of your criticisms because I see some criticisms. I just try to look past it. Um, it seemed like they mimicked a lot of season one. And kind of, it was like a mirror image, not to like make a play on the upside down. Yeah, I thought it was different. Oh, really? Okay, no. Go for it. Yeah, no, let me know. I want to know. I think they spent a lot more time on each character. You Mm -hmm. got to know each character almost had more face time, more camera time. Mm -hmm. Every single character had more camera time. You got to know them a little more better, but in a deeper way. Sure. Um, Hopper hated his character this season. Okay. Completely different character. Yeah, I you know what? I'll agree there. He was an uh, yeah. This is a PG-13 podcast, right? Yeah, no, you're fine. You're was fine. An asshole this time around. He was more of a hero last time around, but you had to grow to love him over season one. Okay. From the get-go in season two, he was like this like asshole. It's like, dude, like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was kind of weird. Um. I see where you're going for there, and I and I I kind of like your point. Nancy, mm-hmm. I kind of I felt like I saw that coming, and with the other characters, like I said, like I, I felt like they spent 
more time with each character. Every time, every character had just more camera time and more, there was almost like more of like an artsy camera angle. It, it, it was obvious they had a higher budget this time around. Yeah. You know, Hopper goes out into the field to like dig this hole. They would have spent about, let's say, 10 seconds in season one. They spent about like 20 seconds in season two and had like different angles of him like digging this hole. It was like, yeah. more dramatic with more music. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I understand where that comes from. Like, you get this, you know, rave reviews from season one. You're going to get the budget in season two. And maybe they didn't know exactly how to use that. Um, and they used it in these, like, artsy ways, like you're saying. Um, I, I like your point on Hopper. Uh, I think last year they did such a great job of, at the beginning, making him seem like this cop that doesn't give a shit. And then throughout the season, you saw growth. And in this and season... kind of, like, emotionally connect with him. Yeah, absolutely. They did a great Whether job. you can or cannot, and you want to admit that or not, like, you, you could. Mm-hmm. You be able to, like, attract to that character. Yeah, I liked that. And this season, uh, I, I, I felt for him because I know what he had to do, and everyone wants to take Eleven's side and say, like, oh, he did, like, he was lying to her and everything like that. I'm like, he was just protecting her. This is... This is showing his deep character issue of having that like, uh, th- that paternal instinct that he he wish he had over again with his daughter, and it seemed like he was making up for like this was his second chance at like protecting, and I wish they went farther down that path. I think they could have really hit home if they made more connections from Eleven to his daughter, and instead. They kind of just abandoned it. She goes missing. He he like it, it like obviously he was preoccupied with uh you know dealing with the whole like tunnel system and everything like that. But for like four episodes, like basically half the season, it, like you know they were he was looking over her and it looked like they were going to go like all right where are you gonna go with this? Show me the emotional paternal instincts that stick over. Show me more flashbacks of your daughter. And instead they just like separated ways. They joined at the end, he apologized, and they kind of like covered up a bullet wound with a band-aid there. And I was like, I, I, I try to look past criticisms, that's why like you're going to be opening up a lot of views for me, but I that didn't, that didn't go lost on me. Because I saw the growth they had with Hopper this year, or last year, saw where they were going with it this year, and I think they dropped the ball there. I think they could have did a really good job of, of focusing in on that. So I'm with you on the uh, yeah. Hopper. That, that was another I just I didn't like Hopper's character how they portrayed him mm-hmm. um, it was almost like two different stories two different two different shows yeah um, that's fair and even with Eleven like they wasted so much time with Eleven and um, Did, not Will sorry that whole that whole Chicago episode I, I'm oh episode 7 was the worst episode I've ever seen in my life yeah like, so on purpose it was like your classic let's butcher an 80 sequel thing yeah. It makes no sense. It was like Predator 2. I hate... Jurassic Park 2. I hate, with like the T-Rex is running around San Diego. Oh, man. Like that was equivalent to episode 7. I'm, I'm a big anti... And I don't know what the right term is for this. There, one term is bottle episode, but I know that's not quite what this was. Because a bottle episode is when you don't have the budget, so you stay in one place. This was one of those standalone episodes that don't further the plot at all. It just gives you a little background. I was like... Boy, I could have really did without that. So I'm not going to defend that at all. I liked, I thought what they were doing, when they opened up the season, 
and showed a little bit of of that girl. I think it was eight, right? And I forget her actual name because I just tried to block out that whole episode. I thought I was getting excited because I'm like, maybe they will show more of where these kids are and what is happening well, to them. Season three and four. Apparently. Yeah, apparently that's where they're going, and I'm okay Which with I think that. Is really corny. I'm not okay with that. I think that's so corny. I'm okay with that if you do it right, but if you attack it like this whole standalone episode and. I, I just I, I didn't think those characters were that entertaining. I that I mean look I won't. Yeah, I mean I look I, I have nothing to defend it with. Yeah, I love the kids. Not the show was about the kids. Now, if we're talking about you know who's eleven, who's eight, who's nine, who. You're straying away from those kids. Yeah. It's almost like a, a whole nother thing. I Ag- just, agreed. I, it, it, I mean, yeah, it, it would be like, look, do you want to do a spinoff show? Do you want to do something where they unite? I think they're extending it a little bit too much. Um, I, I heard that they're going to maybe skip all the way ahead to when these kids go to high school. That's one idea. Uh, and, and So then were Nancy and you know, Steve Harrington, were they married? I'm I'm totally fine with writing off Nancy. Um, she doesn't Nancy, pro- but you can't you can't write off Nancy. Well, she's definitely an X factor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know what? Like, they're obviously going to be faced with these problems. Anytime you do shows about kids, you face these problems. Glee had too many seasons. Glee had too many seasons. They oh, Sorry, I didn't watch Glee, but it's um, I I I watched. I watched enough of Glee to realize, look, they had a giant fundamental flaw and that it's after season one, they realized they were going to uh, like have a bunch of seasons of this. And I'm like, okay, you know, when you realize you got something, you go with it. And then they realized, shit, we had to make all of them freshmen. And it's like, oh, okay, so let's go back. Ooh, they're all sophomores now. I'm like, I'm like, wait, so the entire Glee Club was freshmen? The starting quarterback on the football team was a freshman? Like, all these kids that ran the school were fucking freshmen? That never made any sense to me. It was one of my biggest, it was one of my biggest things I hated, but it's because they needed to protect the show. And it's like, well, we need to have multiple seasons of Glee. The Glee is about a club in high school. Ipso facto, we're running out of time. So we need to make them freshmen. We can't make them juniors and seniors. And they only wrote off one guy after the first season. And it was like, because he was very replaceable. He was just a dancer. So I don't mean to get too into glee, but the whole point is, <laughs> yeah, the whole point is anytime you have these shows about these kids, you're going to run into these problems and you're going to run into where do they go from here? Steve, they already laid some groundwork that he might just work for his dad, not go to college and stuff like that. So there's no reason that Steve needs to be written off the show. I mean, they pointed out he may just be staying in Hawkins. I love Steve Harrington. He had a battle about 20 demigorgons. That's another one of my problems. Mm. There's too many demigorgons. You have this whole, like, you know, kind of like spider-looking demon, but... Mm -hmm. Season one, the whole thing was based around one Demi Gorgon, right? Right. So now it's like a typical sequel. Like now you have like multiple Demi Gorgons, and then they eat Rudy. Like, come on, Sam from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, I mean, not a, not a fan. That's so lame. Well, like they're, they're, so now you have all those Demi Gorgons. It took you one season just to beat one with Eleven's help, and now you have multiple on top of this whole. 
we don't even understand. I, I did think they they copped out the end. They did they did cop it out. I, I forget the uh, the actor's name too. You know what I'm talking about. That's Ruby. That, yeah, and Sean Astin is his name. Yes, and, Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. So I thought originally he was gonna be like something evil. I had a weird feeling about him. Mm. Yeah. From like when he had that like whole little talk with Will, where he's like, you know, I, I stuck up to the Billy, told him like back off. Yeah. Like there was kind of like some weird correlation there. So I would have thought that he would have had a bigger role, but he was kind of like a waste of space. Was like if, if he were the like, what did you have to offer? You're you're talking about Nancy. What did Sean Aston have to offer? Well, Sean was the one. And then you just die from the, all these Demi Gorgons. they got that old out of nowhere. So Bob the Brain offered a couple things this season, and I um. First thing was he was the one that convinced Will to stand up for him, which ended up being the worst idea because that's what infected Will is that he stood up to it. And it's because basically he didn't understand that this wasn't nightmares, that this was actually something Will was going through. You know, he was just thinking, oh, it's just this kid dealing with nightmares and he was uneducated. No way in hell anyone that knew the truth would be telling him to do this. So that's one thing. And the other thing he offered was the whole map idea. And I liked the whole map thing. Oh, okay. Uh, I, thing was cool. I thought the map thing was done well, and that's what I need more of. I need more of these kids uh, doing things like that. Uh, my next criticism, though, is I think Mike had, like, a stick up his butt the whole season. He was just, like, whiny and pissed off at everything. And I, I needed more from Mike. Like, I know you miss 11 and everything, but, you know, Will was supposed to be, like, your best friend. And, uh... You were just, like, angry the whole time. The whole thing with, like, Will is, like, is the exorcism at one point? It was just... Yeah, they they don't give this kid a lot of opportunities to just, like, be a kid, but I think he's he's done a great job with what they've given him because he's supposed to play this, like, basically sickly child the whole time, and they give him these scenes, and I think he just... He nails it. He It, it literally is exactly how I would imagine a kid going through something exorcism-y or extraterrestrial-y would, would be going through. So I think Will nails it. Okay, it's just... Yeah, and um, and I like the whole, like, the gang of kids, except Mike kind of, you know, pissed me off. And Max and her older brother. I'm okay with that. With I, I don't like, have any... I have episode where, like, the mom gets out of the, like, the bath and sees Max. Oh, like, oh, like, right. Oh, like, yeah, Mrs. Like, Wheeler. I thought that was... I thought that was and slightly entertaining. Um, well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? But well, that's another thing is they something they like to do is they like to make like pay homage to a lot of like eighties films like Risky Business and uh, E T e- 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 and the good like they do it a lot and it's not just those but it's all, like Ferris Bueller was another one where it's like <laughs> I need to look more into those like paying homage to What's you know the moments. Oh crap! Um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. At Ridgemont High, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I so I think when they do a lot of those, I, I I like I give them credit, and I think that uh, like that older brother, I think his name was Billy, right? Uh, the older brother, like the punk kid. I think that was kind of like like the classic '80s character that they're bringing in there, and they needed to bring some type of like you know antagonist in there, and I think it was a. Uh, 
I think it was well done. It was like we were trying to figure out he what this like kid was. Who was like in the, ever seen the, the movie, the vampire movie, The Lost Boys? Right? Oh yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. He, yeah. He like Perfect. Out of that. that that was actually that's a really yeah that's well said. Looks like he could it could have come right out of that. The whole time. I was thinking he was going to be something else. And I try not to. I was just telling you before. I try not to think ahead in these type of shows. But the whole time I was thinking, what are they going to be? Are, are one of them one of the kids that was also in the Hawkins lab? And it turns out, no, there was nothing around that. And I was, and I was actually kind of happy that they were like, they didn't just serve up something obvious to me. They made it as, no, this is just a domestic issue where this kid has a dad who is super strict and he hates that he lives here now. We don't fully know the whole reason. But, like, it just seemed like, hey, this is just a regular family. And it's, a, a, you know, not exactly the nuclear family everyone is used to. But I think they did a pretty good job with that. And I, I uh, not everything needs to be, not everything needs to be about a stranger thing. Some things can be about normal life. And a I, familiar thing. Yeah. A, well, wow. Well said. Familiar things. Season three. Um, I think, I think they did good with that. And I, and I, I like that they didn't just, you know, paint him as, although it would have been pretty sweet if like we found out somehow the Demogorgons or something on the other side, um, the, uh, were, were able to like mimic humans or something. I think that would be the growth, the, the potential growth that this season could have used. So actually I'm going to flip it around a little bit. Like I think they missed an opportunity here because if we're going to criticize them for just saying, look, they went from one demogorgon and avoiding that to being like, where are the like these demi dogs that all just died when you know, basically eleven just you know flips or flips a wrist. Uh, now it's like oh, you needed a you needed a bigger antagonist, and it was basically just burn just heat up will a little bit. You know, I, I, like like I, like 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 I see where I see where the criticisms are. So I'm not, I'm not going to get on you about that. I understand it. And you've kind of opened my eyes to like, Hmm, there are some things here that. And what's with the new doctor at the lab? They just kind of like, they didn't even introduce They him. needed to replace. Like, oh, we, we knew who he was. Well, because it's a year, Hopper, it's a Hopper year later. I'm like, Oh yeah. You're like, you've been here forever. Well, it's a it's a year later. Remember, we have to understand that some things cannot be explained on screen. A year but if passes. If you wrote the book about it, then I understand. But you didn't write the book on it. No one knows. No, no one knows. But I I I'm a I just go in understanding that not everything we are meant to believe is explained on screen. There are things that happen off screen that we have to understand. They we but missed a year. Well, we missed a year. I've yeah. So um, actually, it's funny you said that because my buddy Tom, uh, every time like he's my neighbor growing up, they had so many of those Twilight Zone DVDs, and it's like anytime we did like sleepovers growing up, we would be just watching like different Twilight Zone episodes, and there are some I loved, there are some I didn't like at all, uh, uh, because I I, I scare easily, uh, and I think that's why like I I get into these characters because I. I like the thrill of it a little bit, but I know what you're talking about. I'm a big, I'm a big Twilight Zone fan. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll, I'll leave you with is I don't like that there's four seasons. Overall, do I think it was good? Yes. I'm just 
somehow critical because the expectations and the standards are just set that high. And I didn't like the whole, all these extra demigorgons. Yeah. I could have used a different bad guy. I mean, the whole, the whole time we were expecting like this big spider thing. thing. And they yeah, kind of... and that was introduced, and then it, like, disappeared, and then it's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know it was the smoke thing that took over his body, but I could have used a better antagonist than just demi-dogs, because, especially since they were killed off so easily, it was like... I, I, I was left wanting more there. I will admit, when the show ended, I wanted more. I was, I was left unsatisfied. I just... I'm also really easy. I mean, if you ever listen to any of my movie reviews, I, I give it a 10.0 every time because I'm just easily entertained by these films, by these shows, and I'm, I want more. So, while so I... like the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie that came out? I don't watch those. Those are the, I don't okay. watch the Pirates of the Caribbean really? movies. Really? I feel like you'd be a Pirates no, of the Caribbean not, not a fan. Not a fan. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like Orlando Bloom. And, and like, I, I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. Like, he almost ruined Lord of the Rings for me. I'm unfairly critical towards him. He's never done anything I mean, to me to me personally. I think there's been, you know, more than a handful of Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I'm pretty sure there's five. I know he's he's in at least in the last one prior. One he's in at least three, and that was enough for me to just yeah. be done with Pirates. Okay. Also, it's like you know, it's it's a kids movie. It's all you know, no one's ever in danger in those. And it's like the only people who are in danger are the characters no one cares about. So I need I need some risk. I need some risk in my shows. That's why Game of Thrones is the really? best. Oh, I love I love risks. You know, like uh, that's why Game of Thrones is the Davey best. Davy Jones Locker isn't a, a risk. Who died in that? No one. Davy Jones Locker. It's when you sink to the bottom, man. Yeah, but but in that. Barnacle. Yeah, but but everyone ended up being okay in that movie, and Stellan Skarsgård came out of nowhere. Like they freed everybody. Like I, I, okay. I don't know. Look, I'm I'm not gonna get too far into the Pirates of the Caribbean. I just it's just not my cup of tea. I I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand why everyone would be into it. Just not for Jake. I gotcha. Yeah. So, so hey man, this was a great talk. Uh, we at the end of the day, we kind of settled on the fact that maybe you were a little too harsh on some areas, and I definitely closed my eyes off to too many things because I'm not letting it off the hook. And I'm with you. They need to improve. Season one was better. Season two, I liked parts, and I, I kind of closed my eyes when looking at the parts I don't like. Well, Jake, thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to being on. Absolutely. Now, tell later. Absolutely. We're going to have to have you on mid-hockey season. Tell my fans... And I want to thank Kyle McKenna for coming on to the podcast, his second appearance on the Jake uh, hockey extraordinaire, but wanted to talk more Stranger Things. Nothing wrong with that. I love me some Netflix shows. You guys know I love Stranger Things. Stranger Things season two was great. We did pick out some nitpicks. We did get a little negative there, but uh, I, I appreciate Kyle's candor and the fact that he doesn't back away. He was very critical. And I can appreciate that. It's not my approach to these shows. I try to look at the good things. He was definitely trying to get on it, see where they were missing, where they were lacking. And hey, he made some really great points. And I, I, 
I followed up with some also similar points where where they could have been better. Anyway, this was a great episode of The Jake, a little bit of a double episode, uh, doubled up with my interview with Tom Scotto, with Kyle McKenna. Sorry to Michael K. We do not have time this episode to bring him on. Maybe next week. Uh, next week when we jump over to iTunes. Yes, we're jumping. We're finally taking the risk, jumping into the iTunes world. Episode twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Hopefully, will be the last one on just SoundCloud. We're ready to take over the world of podcasting. Leave with this. Don't want to get too into Cleveland sports. Doing like half-minute Cleveland sports update. Baseball's over. Astros won the World Series. Congratulations. They were a great team this year. It was nice seeing them do that. Uh, I have no nothing against most of the Astros, so happy to see them. Uh, disappointed in the season for the Indians finish. Uh, it was such a great year, and all we see now is just nominated for awards. Three guys are nominated for Golden Gloves, a guy nominated for MVP, Manager of the Year, and Cy Young. Like they, They're all over the place on the awards. Uh, just didn't finish with a victory with the World Series. The Browns are 0-8. Uh, just coming off their bye week. It's now start time to look into where do we find the win this year. Maybe we don't have one. Uh, I, I can't accept that. After last year, I'm like, boy, it, it took everything to get that one. Maybe we missed our opportunity this year. And uh, look, I, I say it on Twitter all the time. I don't think these guys get a free pass, but I don't think firing them is the right way to go. They've built up some very good positives on this team. To fire them now would just be to bash it down before it's over. Like It's hard to criticize someone's cooking if you're going to pull out the food before it's done, right? Like you got to give it its fair shot, and we haven't given them their fair shot yet. Now, this offseason is it. You know, they have had, this will be their third straight offseason. If they can't put it together, a winning team after three offseasons with this much money and this many draft picks, then it's time to go in a different direction. But they've built up enough to get one more offseason. And please just get us a win. Because if you go 0-16, you're going to have to fire some people. But if you get a win, you can at least say, we're bad, but we're building. And the Cavs... Cavs are like the most disappointed in of all my teams. I mean, <clears throat> I'm rooting for Ohio State, and they fell flat on their face. They still have a chance to win the Big Ten, but no playoff for them. Notre Dame, very excited for Notre Dame this year. I uh, don't want to jinx anything. I'm knocking on wood, uh, but things are looking great for them. They're having a, one of their best seasons of my lifetime, you know, of, the, of this Notre Dame team. They are putting together some really fun stuff. But the Cavs, man, like, what the fuck is going on? They're just... Not the same team. And I, I, some people, you know, look, everybody knows that the LeBron teams go through this stretch every year. This is just way too early to be doing this. But they're going to get Isaiah Thomas back. They're going to get Tristan Thompson back. They're going to get a better flow of how things are supposed to work. But this team is not championship ready. I mean, maybe they can win the East, but uh, things need to change big time. They are not the same team that was in the NBA Finals running through the Eastern Conference last year. And as much as it was awesome beating the Celtics game one, you know, Celtics are, are the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. And uh, you can't just sit on LeBron James all the time. He's, he's amazing, but the rest of the team is going to have to play well. And I'm really looking forward 
to when they start to put together because they have the talent, they have the experience, they have the depth to put together a good team and a good season. So I don't see why that can't happen. <clears throat> but until then, it's frustrating to watch and it's frustrating to devote yourself. I'm going to the game on Monday. I'm going to see Cavs Knicks. I'm going to see Kristaps Porzingis and the Cavs try and stop him because right now, he is unstoppable. He is the MVP of the Eastern Conference, in my mind. Just watching him play, he is unstoppable. You need to get like him in foul trouble. That's really all you can hope for, is hope to put him on the bench because the guy's putting up like 40, shooting threes from the logo, dunking on people, blocking every shot, running the floor. The guy is what you want to build in a basketball player in today's NBA. And he's like 23 years old. It's unbelievable. The Knicks have struck gold with this pick in which so many people were critical. And I, I, I don't know if I was critical as much as I was like, this poor kid's never going to be given a chance because people were booing him before he even reached the stage. And I'm so happy to see that he's proving everyone wrong. So more poor Zing God makes everybody happy. And I'll be, I'll be reporting plenty from that game from, uh, for what's going to be Monday the 13th. But until then, that'll be episode 30. Episode 28, 29, this was a great one. Bill of a long one. The double episode, we previewed weddings. We talked Stranger Things. We talked Thor. We talked a little bit of Cleveland sports. But I appreciate everyone for listening. Your continued following of the Jake is special to me. I'm very happy that I get to do this for fun and one day, you know what, maybe it'll be more than just fun. This is this is great. So thank you, everyone. God bless. And I'll be telling you all about the Scotto wedding come next week. Take care. God bless. But before I go, real quick, I, I don't want to forget this. I do want to dedicate this episode to my good friend Bill Mead's mom, Kathy, who died this past week. Uh, Bill, love your brother. Uh mom was a great woman and uh this episode especially the wedding songs i know she loved those especially the b-52s love shack so uh love you praying for you and uh your mom is a great lady so keep your head up and uh and this episode was for her so uh appreciate the continued listening i know bill is my biggest fan maybe maybe not okay everyone hey take care